0: blog talk radio hello everyone and welcome to gypsy poet radio i'm the gypsy poet and this evening we are featuring an actor whose career has spent over three decades worth of film and television he's been featured in the Conjuring movies, as well as House of Cards, and let's not forget the Annabelle films. And currently he is starring in the famous television series, The Walking Dead. Please welcome the substantial and the wonderful, and now part of the GPR family, Steve
1: Goldberg.
0: Hello, hello! Can you hear me?
1: Well, I can hear you. Yes, hello.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing this evening?
1: Good. How's Texas?
0: <sighs> Texas. What can I say about Texas these days? <laughs> it's hot, and it is hot and humid. But I will say the days are brighter, oh, and God. that's what yes, and that's what makes it worthwhile. And not only that, I. It may be hot. But still, the sun embraces you. That's what I love about mm-hmm. Texas.
1: Mm-hmm. I drove across Texas once when I was driving across the country a few years ago. My God, mm-hmm. it just keeps going. I keep – like it felt like I was driving <laughs> through Texas for two weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. here's, more, here's more Texas, and here's some more Texas. Oh. Big old state.
0: Oh, it is. I say everything's bigger in Texas, so are The roads. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of which, where are you from originally? You have an interesting story when it comes to your background
1: here. Yes, I was born in Canada, and I'm Mm -hmm. a Canadian citizen still. After all these years, I still have my green card. Uh, Then we moved to the States for about nine years, then I moved to South America. Uh, It was back before the drug wars, so it was actually really, really great. And then Cleveland, Ohio, then North Carolina, then New York, then so I've lived a lot of places, but I've lived um, each place long enough to really sort of enjoy it. You know, I wasn't an army mm-hmm. kid. We didn't pick up and, you know, we got to stay places. But it was a culture, especially a culture shock, moving from South America in ninth grade to the United States. It was because, you know, cliques had formed. I didn't even know what a click was. And uh, so that was that was a jolt. That was a real culture shock.
0: Wow, I bet so. Um, I have to know who or what inspired you to go into acting. This is a wonderful story.
1: It's yeah, it's it, it's weird. I remember the first time I thought I wanted to do it, and it's really odd because mm-hmm. you know, you hear that the old story of being bit by the acting bug. But I uh-huh. went to see a play. I was actually living in South America, in Colombia, and I guess the local—it was Americans, Canadians, English-speaking folks—had formed their own little theater. And I went to see them. I was, I think, twelve years old, and all I could think was, "I have to do that." I, I and I even went backstage after to the director and said, "How can I get? How, do, how can I get involved and do this?" And which is weird because I wasn't. I was very 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 shy as a kid at that age um, and I do remember I just got hooked into it and then I would do stuff like I wasn't really great at school like for social studies I remember we were doing a thing a report on Hungary and instead of doing a written report I pretended I was a terrorist breaking into this basement and we had these maps and that's how we presented the story but that's so that's when I first wanted to do but the what really inspired me to do it like I could do it as a job was watching the movies of uh, James Dean in particular. There was a little theater in Cleveland that used to show old movies at like all the old MGM musicals and James Dean and Humphrey Bogart and Steve McQueen they had all the old, old great movies that you usually had to watch on television, but they had them on the big screen. And then watching Al Pacino in the early mid seventies, I thought that's what I want to do with my life. Um, it was funny because I eventually got to work with Al Pacino twice, uh, which was a lot of fun because inside, you know, on the outside I'm acting really professional, but on the inside I'm like, oh my God, that's Al Pacino. <laughs> Cause I, and that's one yeah. fun thing about being an actor is that you still get that, you get to work with people you've grown up watching or that you're, yeah. you've really admired, and then suddenly you're just working Hand in hand with them, and that's that's really fun. It's kind of the old Hollywood feel of. It still feels kind of magical. Um, yeah. And you get to be standing, you know, opposite, you know, one of the people that you've admired for years. Um. So yeah. I, I wa- have I to once tell talk you that... to... Oh, Go on. I'm sorry. Oh, I just I once talked. I was doing a movie with uh, Denzel Washington and the scenes we did for about four days were uh, this kind of trial was in the movie flight. And he was, he was very, he kept really a lot to himself because his character is very distraught. And, but it happened, we'd finished shooting those scenes and I was going into the restroom right when he was coming out. So we stood in the men's room and uh, talked about life and uh, it was really nice. He was very down to earth and, and I told him, I said, he's one of those actors that has the kind of integrity that is one of the reasons I want to be an actor. So it's that kind of uh, encounter that may, is also a, a lot of fun in this business.
0: And mm-hmm. I just said, I got to tell you, that you make you're making my heart dance with these uh, with these remarks and these wonderful answers, and I'll tell you why, because um, I I know that feeling when you're like for me for example i get to talk to them over the phone that uh these are individuals who i got, i in a way got a chance to grow up with and uh and yeah. watching yes and now it's like wow i am i i'm talking to them and i'm listening to their stories and case you're you're no exception because i have seen you in uh, all these in all these films so th- this for me is a thrill in all honesty so <laughs> that it. yes it is it is Seriously, you need you need imagine, to get out more yes. <laughs> It really is a magical feeling, and so I completely relate to that. I resonate with that. So that was a wonderful answer. Okay. Okay. So you also have producer and, and director added to your list of doings. What do you enjoy best about each?
1: I guess they're, they're really – because mainly I'm actually more of a writer and an actor. I have produced some stuff, which I don't care for because it's a – producing is very hard, and it's uh-huh. – uh, and mainly because I I've I've produce things of my own I think I wouldn't mind producing someone else's stuff When it's your own I think you're too invested Because it's also I produced a film one time It's all your money So everything mm-hmm. is so stressful It's still enjoyable But when it's your money It's terrifying You're going, that's my mortgage um, But as a writer Writing is fun Because you are It's weird It's very hard to get To start writing To sit down and start Like I recently I, I wrote a the screenplay, and once I got into it, I was fine, but just getting myself to do it, because it's hard. You have to sort of dig, and I've always compared it to putting on a wet bathing suit. It's very uncomfortable at first, but then it gets really fun. And, uh, and directing is fun, because you get to, if you hire, you know, people who are smarter than you, you hire a smarter you know, director of photography and a smarter production designer and a smarter composer, and they have ideas as long as you have a very clear idea of what you want and they just help make it better. And as a director, you have to make, it's so funny. I remember I think they should just call it decision maker because you're constantly just making decisions about wardrobe and this and that, and this location and this prop. And it's, um, it's exhausting, but very exhilarating. Uh, there's nothing really the chaos of it or the sort of managed chaos, with, uh, and i guess with those two things there's also a lot of responsibility and one thing that's fun about as an actor you're sort of like the visiting uncle you get to come and play and mm-hmm. then you go oh i remember when i was i was a head writer for tyler perry for a while and everyone else went home and i had to stay and fix the little things and plan for the next day and the next week and you know cuz you're you're doing scheduling and working out the when gets what cause, you know so it's a lot. It's like being, the difference between being a parent and a visiting uncle. i
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask this: uh, What was it like working um, along with Tyler Perry?
1: It was really hard, but great because it was mm-hmm. you know um, we had he works so differently than any other uh, uh, any the way he shoots a TV series, the way he shoots a movie. He works really fast, and so we would shoot. You know, the average TV show, let's say a situation comedy, because that's what I wrote for, would uh, you do a read-through on a Monday, you do some rehearsal on a Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, and it takes like around a week to produce it. And we would do three shows a week and sometimes five shows a week, so it was almost like writing for live television. But the best thing about him was that it wasn't – at all, who you knew. It was really based on your skill. He would give you a football. If you if you dropped the football, you weren't going to get it again. But if you ran with it, he would keep giving you the football. It was a lot of people would start in you know lower positions, and then they were head of departments. And you know, I was just a writer for a while, and then he made me head writer. And um, it was really exciting. It was like I said, it was so hard. But when I look back at, at what we accomplished in such a short time. Uh, it's one of the reasons I write very fast, because we had to. You sort of have to revise as you're writing. Um, and and also that thing of so often we had to make something happen, even when we didn't have the time, we always found a way. And that kind of that mindset can be very helpful that, well, there's always there's a way to do this, you know, and we would do it. And so that's I learned awesome. a lot from him. Oh, I can see that.
0: Um, Is there someone you consider a mentor in the world of Hollywood? It's either someone you know or someone you'd like to know.
1: I I never really had a mentor in person. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, all the, because I would watch old movies so much, you know, again, talking about Al Pacino and De Niro, and I'd watch Mm -hmm. Marlon Brando and um, early Olivier films and um, um, Montgomery Clift, those guys um, Spencer Tracy and those I think were my mentors because you watch you know, people that are good at stuff and what are they doing um, and in terms of people who I'd like to meet, I'd love to um, mm-hmm. I've indirectly work with Martin Scorsese he, he executive mm-hmm. produced a movie I did but we never got to meet um, but I'd love to work with him just because he's done some of the biggest movies um a person i've really always admired their career is kevin costner and i've got to work with him a couple times and it's one of the things i always thought he would be a good guy and an example of this here's an example of what a good guy is
0: because what i'd always
1: liked about him is he started out as a crew member you know and then he worked his way up and i was doing a movie just i think i shot for one day it was just a couple scenes and even though he wasn't directing the film, he was producing it. So he really knew, you know, a producer in a film has a lot of power and a lot of creative input. And we were doing a scene that was from Mr. Brooks where there was no sound, but it was going to be a series of shots, dozens of shots to show this, what was going on. And he was sort of giving instructions from the side, sides, from different things, do this, do that, try this, try that, try this, try that. And then so I finished shooting in the middle of the day, and we were shooting in a big mansion in Louisiana. And then I went off in a room. They, they, sometimes when they f- you finish for the day, they, they might say, hang around. They're not sure. We may go back and shoot something. So I was off in a room, uh, like a, not a storage room, but a room where just people, no one was hanging out. Uh, but I had to be nearby in case they needed me. And all of a sudden, someone uh, sat next to me and slapped my knee, and it was Kevin Costner. And he, he had just come to look for me, and he said, "I just want to tell you, I really appreciate it. I gave you a lot of crazy direction this morning, and you followed everything and, and that was probably a pain, and I just want to let you know I appreciate that, And that's the kind of guy he is, and uh, that's hmm. something even though I've, I do know him a little bit, I would like to work with him more just because I like his work ethic, um, he, he's more he's the most prepared person on the set, even if he's just acting. Um, so that's a, that's a big philosophy I've, I've always had is do more than is asked of you because mm-hmm. it's it's just a good rule but it also you get more joy out of it because you're putting more of yourself in and thinking you know the resistance is well that'll that'll tire me or it'll be too much but it, it actually I find it it gives you more joy because you get back just as much as you put in and he's one of those actors that that does that he doesn't just fawn it in. He's a total professional, and most of the actors I must say I've worked with are really who've succeeded. They they work harder, and if you're the star of a film, you have mm-hmm. to. That was one of the things. If when we get to talking about The Walking Dead, that Andrew mm-hmm. Lincoln did that. He was the hardest working person on that set, and so they set a they set an example for the rest. You know, if if the star of a project is being lazy and late or something, it's not gonna Everyone else is going to go well. It's kind of like, well, Dad's, you know, Dad's acting bad, so we can't do. <laughs> so. hmm.
0: now, coming back on the more personal note here, who is your number one fan in your family?
1: I don't. Th- you know, what's that old expression? It's hard to be a prophet in your own home, <laughs> or something like <laughs> that. I don't know if because especially since it's my job, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. like I have a stepson who's 11 and he Mm -hmm. hates what I do because I, well, not so much now with the pandemic, I'm not traveling at all. But, Mm -hmm. you know, with acting, you're leaving town a lot. I go out of town a lot and, um, he, he hates that. So he's not a fan at all. He'd probably rather, I think he even once said, why don't you just get a job at my school? Um, but I have a grown daughter and she's a fan, but she's also my daughter Mm -hmm. and I'm a fan Mm -hmm. of hers because she's an actor and she's an extraordinary actor. So I'm actually a huge fan of hers. And she's also a director. Mm and I I actually did a play. She hired me (laughs) to do a play this past year, right before the, (laughs) before the pandemic hit. But um, yeah, Mm -hmm. but in terms of fans, I don't, you know, I don't think your, your family I think is there to give you perspective, not, you know, it's just a job to them. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and that hits home too.
0: <laughs> so now we're getting to The Walking Dead. So, how has your role in The Walking Dead changed your life?
1: I guess because you know, I when I got that part, um, I had been an actor for like over twenty years, and it was funny that it's you know, and I've done a lot of stuff, but it was the first thing I did that millions and millions and millions of people around the world because you know The Walking Dead airs Sunday night in the States but then it mm-hmm. I think it's Monday, it goes all over the world, Australia, Japan, Europe and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of startling because it's you go for like I, I think I, I I did have a Twitter account and I think I had like fifteen followers. And then the next mm-hmm. day you had like fifteen thousand. Because it's kind of stunning that that many people would watch one thing and it sort of affected me for a while just in that and it's kind of fun because you want what you do to you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that i think tv and movies and books make can make people feel less alone you know because i know when mm-hmm. i it's just a tv show or something that i really like you feel like that's your show it's like i know millions of other people watch it but this is this is my show and if yeah. that's what it made people feel that's kind of cool and and I must say, the Walking Dead fans are an incredibly loyal, kind group of people. Um, they're very, very supportive, and that—and I was in it because I'm like five seasons ago, or four or five seasons—and you know, they still have that fan base, which is crazy.
0: Yep. So. Mm-hmm. I know because this hits close to home. Um, my my late best friend was a very, very big fan of The Walking Dead. And a couple of weeks ago, we had one of your co-stars on the show, um, Pete Pitts. And I know he's listening oh, in. Oh, yeah. So, hi, Pete. Yeah. Hi, <laughs> yes, right. yes. Hi, Pete. I know he's listening in and he's enjoying every every moment of this. He's I, He is in his home in Atlanta right now just sitting in his chair just loving this. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So, um, if there are any new recent projects, what are they?
1: Um, it, there's aren't as many as you would hope because of the, <laughs> it's weird because there's mm-hmm. nothing. We're not shooting anything. I haven't shot anything. Mm. Gosh, mm-hmm. this year, because I did a play in January and February and then normally mm-hmm. things would pick up, you know, cause that's one of the reasons I did the play. Cause it's sort of winter is usually pretty slow for film and TV. Um, but a thing it was a TV series that I shot, gosh, almost a year ago and it had to be delayed for, uh, You know, mostly because of the pandemic and stuff. Um, But it's called P Valley and it's uh, Mm -hmm. on stars and it premieres this Sunday night at nine o'clock. And I can honestly say I'm probably more proud to be a part of this than almost anything in the long, long time. It's because mainly it's so different than anything I've ever done. And it's also different than anything anyone has ever seen on TV. So I really hope people watch it. It's about it sounds odd because it's about a strip club in Mississippi, but it is about so much more than that. And I think, you know, even if you've never set foot in a strip club or Mississippi, it's just about people trying to pay their bills and follow a dream and work out relationships and it's and it's written by a woman named Katori Hall. Who does not have a Hollywood background at all? She's a playwright, and uh-huh. that's I think one of the differences. It is some of the most some of the most amazing and difficult lines I've ever had to learn. Um, but yeah, so that's P Valley is the only thing that's uh, a couple of things that will come out. Like Conjuring Three may come out in September. It was supposed to, but um, with the pandemic, I'm guessing they'll postpone it because I don't think people will be okay. back in movie theaters full-time yet. And those, you know, scary movies are like roller coasters. You can't, they're fun Mm -hmm. to see at home, but you really want to see a scary movie in a theater full of people on a Friday night. There's nothing like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings me to my my next two questions here. We got, um, um, you've done your share of horror films and how has horror made an impact on your life? In this case, watching it. And the second question is the same, but in acting in it.
1: Well, it's it's interesting, and I just thought of this tonight because I was thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, I am not a fan of horror movies, and only because Mm -hmm. they scare me, especially movies that are about evil. And I was wondering, like, I I would not go out of my way. Like, I I did want to see it in, you know, both Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 because I'm a huge Stephen King fan. But horror Mm -hmm. movies, and I think I realized why. And it's because back in, I think it was 1973, I was 13, and my parents were out for the night and I watched on TV a movie called The Other, which was absolutely terrifying because at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, if anyone doesn't want to know the mm-hmm. ending, so there's a pair of twins and they think there's an evil twin, sort of like a Damien from The Omen kind of child, a possessed, evil, evil, evil child that you think has finally you know, paid for his crimes. And the last shot of the movie, as I remembered it, was that, no, he escaped. And I remember even saying out loud, no, 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 I was absolutely, it really stuck with me. And that's part of it. Like, I don't, I know there's like, what's the movie, like the ring from Japan and stuff or whatever. I cannot watch that. And even, um, which, and the, the the horror that I have done is that kind of movie, you know, the conjuring and insidious, it's about evil and they're not scary at all to make. Um, but it, it's funny because it's not at all the kind of movie I go to on my own. I I have to go if there's a premiere, <laughs> but I will watch <laughs> with my hand over my eyes because it's like I'm just sort of. But at the same time, like for example, going to see it was really fun to see it in a theater full of people because you know people scream and and so this is sort of I like that part of it, but um, uh yeah, and the truth it hasn't really affected my it's i must say it's paid a lot of bills because i've made some money doing horror movies and the fans are so loyal and so you know, they they will show up to to the movies and then they also you know people like to rent them a lot and get them online and and stream them so it's i'm very grateful to horror movies they've paid my mortgage many times so
0: awesome Um, so what do you want people to take away from films such as as the conjuring three banshee and the annabelle films
1: i think mainly like any movie but particularly that it's sort of be taken away for a while i think it's you know um i I know like i know that like at times like now that where we're all going through a pretty rough time i like to watch something that will just sort of take me away from my thoughts and worries and and just a, and it sounds kind of corny, but just a really good story. You notice that one of the things that's interesting about the Conjuring movies is it has a huge following with horror fans, but they also just movie fans like it. That's why they've done very well across the board, not just horror audiences, because it's a really good story. And I think that's more than anything, you know, that's what I, if it whether it's a series or a, or a movie. Um, it's something just a great story that will take them away for a couple hours and, you know, just get caught up in that world and you're not watching the special effects. You're not going, Oh, that actor's good. You're just like totally pulled into the story. And that's when I think a movie works when you're not thinking of the, you know, later on, you can watch special features and stuff like that, but to get taken away and really think this is happening. And, um, And in the case of horror, I hope they get a nice ride because it should be kind (laughs) of get their heart going and uh, uh, yeah. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. So, if there's one film that you received critical acclaim for, what is the best compliment from a critic you ever received?
1: I I could. This is funny because I could tell you the. Well, it was actually not for a movie, but it was for a play. This is years Mm -hmm. and years ago. I did a play and. The play itself is one of the funniest plays ever written. It's so funny that people, professional companies, uh, community theaters do it. And this director, who's a really good guy, uh, who I really liked, he chose to do this play and he just directed it wrong. Like you'd have to work really hard to make this play not funny. And this director, bless their heart, managed to make it not funny. And oddly enough, myself and another actor had the sort of the, the the leads of the play and we were on stage. It was interesting. I I, before I do a play or anything, I do a lot, a lot of research and the author of this play, which I won't name, uh, he had written a series of essays. He'd gone to see his play because it's done so often at all kinds of different theaters all over the world. And he said, he learned that these two characters should be sitting on stage together. And he, He said, there's only one place you cannot put these characters. And that's, you know, at the back of the theater on the left, back of the stage on the left. And that's where we were. And it was such an awful experience because doing a comedy, it's sort of like if you do a horror film and people aren't screaming, you've got a problem. And if you do a comedy and nobody is laughing, it can be the longest evening of your life. And I remember just I couldn't wait for the play to be over. And so when the reviews came out, I was like, they're going to tear us a new, you know, we're going to get pulverized and myself and the other actor weren't even mentioned. And I was so happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was as if we didn't exist. Cause I didn't, I, I would have rather that performance never existed. It was just like, so that's, that was my favorite review because he spared mm-hmm. us. He didn't, he thought, well, I'm just not going to even pretend they weren't even in the play. So, uh, there's an old saying that if you, if you like the good things people say about you, then you have to believe the bad things too. I, think, you know, I know some actors say they don't read reviews, but I will because sometimes if it's a good reviewer, they may point out things that you can learn mm-hmm. from if there's something that's not working or if it's something that is working. But there's a danger in that. Like, for example, I did a, I was doing a play. It's funny because in a film, it doesn't change your performance because you shot it you know, six months or a year before. But in a play, let's say you open on a Thursday night Well, and the reviews come out Friday, and one time there was an actor who was, he was pretty good. And he very rarely got good reviews, and he got a really, really good review. And that night on stage, he was unbearable. (laughs) It was like, because he, and so you can't let it, because what can happen is someone, you know, someone like, again, they say, points out, oh, the way you walk. Well, all of a sudden, you're very conscious of the way you walk. And for an actor, usually if you're doing something well, you're n- probably not too conscious of it. So they point out a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little, it, you know, it's it doesn't sort of stick to your ribs, if it, whether it's good mm-hmm. or it's bad. It can hurt your feelings if it's bad. Mm-hmm. But if it's a good yeah. reviewer and they're not just being mean. I've been lucky. I've never been picked on. You know, I've known, I've had friends and other actors that have been really picked on in a mean way by a, a critic, but I've, I've been lucky. I've never been picked on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're going go down to my last question here. So um, everybody knows, it's no secret, that I'm a fan of old Hollywood. And I have yeah. to ask you this. Uh, if there's one thing you enjoy or remember about that time period, what is it and what would you like to bring back and how?
1: I think... Very specifically, what I like about the old Hollywood is you didn't mm-hmm. know about the personal lives of the actors. You didn't know behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's kind of a detriment that we know so much sometimes about the personalities of actors because then uh, it's hard for that actor to do things that are that different. You know, it's because they're going, oh, that's, that's George Clooney trying that kind of an accent. Um, so sort of wish it was a little less But with social media and stuff and all that It's a little hard And one thing I don't know about bringing back But one thing um, and I, I may have mentioned this when we first met A um, couple of years ago, When we shot, I guess it was Conjuring 2 uh, I think Except for one scene That I did Everything else we shot on the old Warner Brothers Well, on the Warner Brothers lot In in in, in Los Angeles and it was just like going back in time because, you know, Los Angeles now is not the Los Angeles of the 40s and the 30s, which is mm-hmm. so glamorous, you know, at least in our memory. You know, but now it's kind of dirty and huge and smog and you know. Mm-hmm. But the <laughs> old studio looks like it's frozen in time. I mean, these old sound mm-hmm. stages, they have little plaques on each. You know, there's like dozens of sound stages, and so during breaks, I would walk around the studio lot. And you'll see like a plaque, like on one studio, they shot East of Eden and Casablanca and uh, Public Enemy with Jimmy Cagney. So you knew that you were walking where Jimmy Cagney used to walk or James Dean used to walk or, you know, Lee Marvin, these old actresses you, know, you grew up with, or Lana Turner or Betty Davis. Um, and so that's kind of – and that, you can, you know, it's still here. You can do that, at least in Los Angeles, and that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just sort of the mystery of it, maybe, um, mm-hmm. the mystery of Hollywood, kind of is kind of neat.
0: Awesome. Well, for those of you listening in, this is Steve Coulter from The Walking Dead, and plus many other films that he's mentioned on the show earlier. Uh, please tune in. Uh, to uh, to Apple Music You can also tune in to iHeartRadio.com uh, And uh, anywhere you can find uh, Podcasts as well as uh, Pandora and Spotify And you can listen in on this particular Radio podcast This is Steve Coulter from The Walking Dead Again, I'm the Gypsy Poet Thank you guys for listening in and tuning in And enjoying the show It's an amazing Amazing opportunity to talk to the wonderful Steve Coulter. You have been a joy, and you are a blast to talk to. And I would love to have you once again on the program, and as many times as you like. As a matter of fact, and I hope <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> and you 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 have an amazing charisma, and 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 just a, just a wonderful chemistry on the radio. And I really appreciate you calling in on the show this evening. Thank you so much for joining me. And it was a awesome. blast Thanks. to have you. Thanks. On. Thanks for
1: having me. I enjoyed
0: talking with you. Oh, man, anytime, anytime. All right, guys, this is the Gypsy Boy thing. Sign up, sing ideal for now. But before I do, please again check out Spotify, Pandora, iHeart.com, dot com, as well as Apple Music. And anywhere that podcast can be accessed, and uh, listening on the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and and those of you I want to say thank you for to uh, to Eliza Rose Nicholas on Facebook for sharing my for sharing my link and a few others such as uh, Joseph Phillips and of course my friend my wonderful friend Catherine Coven Pacino. Thank you for supporting GPR. Thank you all so much. My gratitude is massive, and I love all of you. Uh, so I'm signing off. Saying adios for now.